This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. I'll tell you, I am fired up today because how about them bears? Dan Weederer. Dan Weederer from the Chicago Tribune again. Bears beat report and enterprise writer for the Chicago Tribune. This story by Dan Weederer, it's obviously very well reported. Covering the Bears for 670 the score and 2400 sports. I listened to you guys talk to Dan Weederer and he's spot on pretty much for everything. You know, and I agree with everything he said. We want it to be a fast Friday and a fast focus Friday. Dan Weederer. His name is Dan Weederer. Weederer time. Weedsy. With Danny and Speeds. Weederer time. Bears. The Take the North pod. Dan Weederer talks football with you. And this segment with Dan Weeder is brought to you by Four Seasons Heating, Air Conditioning, Plumbing, and Electric. For all the right reasons, call 866-4-SEASONS. Dan is with us on the Circa Resort and Casino Hotline, Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sportsbook. Hi, Dan. Hi, guys. This has been some sort of week, hasn't it? Yeah. You said uh, on Twitter that it's the weirdest vibes uh, at Hallis Hall before a game since uh, 2019 in terms of uneasiness. Expound, please. (laughs) I hate that my library of this type of stuff is as deep as it is with this franchise. If you remember the, the New Orleans game in 2019, I remember leaving the building on that Friday afternoon and Mitch Trubisky had just come back from a shoulder injury and he had been a full participant in practice for a couple of days and they still listed him as questionable on the injury report. And as we kind of grilled Nagy on that, it was they, there was like so much uncertainty about whether Mitch was going to be able to handle what they were putting on his plate while he was still trying to handle getting back from injury. And it was just, it was just one of those feelings where you're like, this is weird because that was a game. The Saints came to town without Drew Brees and Alvin Kamara. And everyone thought it was a, a bounce back game for that Bears team, which had Super Bowl aspirations and they got their teeth kicked in. Um, this week up there, it's just been strange in terms of, uh, I think you maybe, Danny mentioned it earlier in the week, the, the projection of confidence that you're looking for isn't there. You're looking for somebody to kind of step forth and, and give you that feeling of we got this. And instead you're getting kind of like, we got this. 
question mark, you know, and so it's just, it's been there all throughout the week. Um, open locker room sessions after practices would be what Brad Biggs refers to as very open locker room with not a lot of guys in there, not a lot of guys willing to to kind of step forth and talk. Uh, the coaching staff seems like they're searching for answers. We get to Friday and the defensive coordinator is not going to be traveling with the team to Tampa. You're starting nickel corner, just had surgery. They're just, they're, it's just, uh, just a perfect storm of stuff. That has come after a perfect storm of a loss uh, last Sunday. Who are the players or coaches who could have and perhaps should have projected that air of confidence and had some answers that did not this week? Well, start with your team captains, right? Like you're looking for leaderships here. Um, You know, Eddie Jackson spoke the other day. I thought he did the best job of trying to give the feeling that, okay, we're going to get this thing back on track. Eddie also said he walked into the locker room on Monday and he'd never felt the Monday locker room like he walked into with how quiet it was and how dispirited everyone was after what happened on Sunday. You know, you're going to need someone on the offensive side of the ball to, I don't think it has to be artificial, but you have to uh, have energy. You have to have something that guys can grab onto and pull on when you're going through down times. I felt like that got away from them Sunday in that game in the second half when they were still in the game. It just felt like, you know, yeah, they they talk inside the building that it's execution that creates that energy. Well, when the energy dips because the execution is terrible, someone's got to put a stopper on it and and make sure that that it doesn't keep dipping and it didn't happen. Um, So you're going to need those guys to step forward. You're going to need to find somebody on the offensive side of the ball that's an alpha. Like I say, on defense, I think it's got to be your Edmonds, your Briskers, your your Eddie Jacksons, and and you got to find somebody that you can get behind and roll with. So Dan Hampton uh, said, quote, Eddie Jackson is playing like a clown. He's not tackling and is blowing coverages in the end zone. Um, And he went on to talk about other players, but that one specifically. You agree that Eddie Jackson was playing like a clown? What'd you say? No, I I, I don't agree with that. I think he got beat for a touchdown when he lost leverage uh, uh, against Romeo Dobbs early on. Uh, Eddie didn't have the best game he's ever had, but it wasn't uh, glaring. I love Hamp. I love Eddie. Um, it was re- interesting because Eddie was asked directly about that by Patrick Finley on Thursday and was kind of taken aback because it was the first he had heard of that reference clown. And he just said, shouts out to Dan Hampton, you know, and I mean, how do you respond to that other than going out on Sunday and and doing something with your play? Um, they've got a lot bigger problems than Eddie Jackson right now on both sides of the ball. And, and, and they're walking into a game uh, in Tampa that theoretically should give you a chance to get back on track, but matchup wise is really, really difficult and doesn't really kind of click with how they would want to find a a flotation device after what happened last week. That's interesting because, I mean, I thought their run defense was going to be awful and it was awful last year and they had a pretty good statistical game against the run, but Aaron Jones had nine carries. Like, I don't don't really believe Uh that if the Packers would have needed to do that, the Bears really shut them down. But Tampa was the worst running team in the NFL last year, and they didn't run against Minnesota, who obviously we saw last night can get run all over. What is it that you don't like about the matchup on Sunday? All right, two things. Number one, you haven't consistently rushed the passer in two years, and if you allow Baker Mayfield to just sit that back there and be comfortable and you ask your corners to play defense on Mike Evans and Chris Godwin uh, on a 90-degree day in Florida for for a full four quarters running around with no help from from the pass rush, it's going to be a long day. You know, they're going to be able to find spots and they're going to pick you apart with the pass. The other thing I don't like is what Todd Bowles brings to the table with both personnel and scheme to make life very uncomfortable 
for the Bears protection unit. And I say protection unit rather than offensive line because you're going to need tight ends and backs to help you with the volume of blitzes you're going to get. And Justin back there having to be really, really quick with understanding what he's seeing and knowing what the answers are to what he's seeing. And it's just, it's going to be a huge test that you would like to have Justin take when he's rolling into the game with more confidence and momentum than he obviously has coming out of week one. Yeah, Lawrence and I were going back and forth a little bit in transition. He was like, I think that you should just, with Justin, just like drop into coverage and prove, make him prove that he can pick you 100%. apart. 100%. And that's what, that's, what the, that's what the Packers have done. Right. Do you think that's in Todd Bowles' DNA, though? Well, look, like I think he's got something else that he can do here. You know, I think he can come and, and attack him. And the last time Justin played there, granted, it was his fifth start. Uh, in 2021, he had five turnovers, you know, and and they were in trouble really quickly because they couldn't take care of the ball and you couldn't react to what you were seeing quick enough. And it just, it became a bloodbath before we were midway into the second quarter. Um, So they've got, they've got a tool that they can use and, and, and use as much as they want. I think if you're talking big picture for the rest of the season, if I'm an opponent that's trying to figure out, okay, how can we slow down the bears the most? I'm doing what the Packers did all day. I'm never turning my back on Justin Fields. I'm never giving him man-to-man looks. Uh, to throw with and I'm just saying like if you want to beat us try to beat us with seven yard scrambles fine go for it you know run run for your seven yards we'll we'll regroup and over time you know we're going to probably hold you to 20 points on the afternoon which is what the Packers did a week ago and as I've mentioned a few times the Bears haven't been north of 20 points on the scoreboard since they left Atlanta in week 11 of last year Dan it's funny last night when AJ Brown is yelling at Jalen Hurts on the sidelines um that is followed by a series in which Jalen Hurts targeted A.J. Brown three times. And and two of them were 50-50 balls that he gave him a chance to make a play. One of them was a touchdown that got called back. Another one very nearly a touchdown after that. I, you know, as much as Getsy or others can say, yeah, you don't want to force it to DJ Moore. This is a week we're going to see Justin Fields force it to DJ Moore. Don't you think? It's kind of how the league works. I would say a couple things that you, I mean, you never want to force it, but you want to make sure that it's part of what you're trying to do. One of the things that I took exception to with the game plan last week was just not getting some DJ only plays. You know, this is going to be a a bubble screen outside and it's the ball is going to be in DJ's hand. Hey, we're going to run a a jet sweep with them. Something to just make sure that when you walk up to the line of scrimmage, the ball is going to be in DJ Moore's hands just to create some of that momentum. I know you guys have talked about it all week. There were plays on that film where, where DJ's open, uh, and either Justin was hesitant to throw it or the line didn't hold up long enough for him to get the ball out there. And you've got to execute on those plays because they're going to be there. There's going to be a half dozen of them where you've got to rip it. And the one thing that is really kind of troubling watching Justin play right now is the hesitance. Do I think he's afraid to throw it down the field against looks like he got last week? No, but I think there's hesitance. And and Danny, you can relate to this as a father of a, a young child. It reminds me of my four-year-old daughter standing at the edge of the pool and you're going, come on, just jump. Come on, just jump. Come on, just jump. And eventually she jumps, but it's like it it takes like 90 seconds longer than it should to jump. And I think there's that hesitance in in everything Justin's doing right now that is preventing him from getting some of those chunk plays that would um, really create that confidence for this offense that's needed and probably stop all of the, the hair pulling that we've all been doing because the offense hasn't shown the answers to this point. Yeah, my three and a half year old's just now a maniac and he just terrifies his mother by like, I'm going to jump in backwards. Um, <laughs> uh, our conversation with Dan Weeder is brought to you by your local Ford dealers. Shop now at buyfordnow.com. Uh, Mitch Trubisky was mobile and a playmaker and they coached it out of him and it yeah. br- and it broke him. 
I watched that game Sunday and led the show Monday, terrified that uh, they had coached the Justin Fields out of Justin Fields with he was accurate. We said he needs to hit, he needs to check down, he needs to hit the layups, and he did. But it came at the expense of going for the throat and the big plays. Like obviously, there were tons of bad misses by Justin. He played poorly. There's no denying that. Do you buy the theory that? Check down, check down, check down, check down as an emphasis maybe is the thing that contributed to him becoming gun-shy and unsure. No, uh, not even 1%. And I'm happy to dive into this a little bit because I think it's a um, just a, a simplified way to kind of convince yourself that this is not unjust. And I would say that if there was something positive to come out of week one, I think Justin's seeing it better. I think he's understanding it better. I think he knows post-snap what the play is you know, how it's unfolding. And I think that's a positive. It's now it's just processing it quicker, reacting quicker and throwing quicker. What I would challenge you on is give me an example of something from a year ago where Justin had that aggressiveness. Like I, I'm happy to take like three or four of these, like examples where, where like you remember, like that's, that's what I want to see, like a play that, that you think has been coached out of him that was made a year ago. Cause it, like th- there's some answers to this. Oh no, I guess I, th- that's, that's fair. I mean, we saw him throw the ball down the field in this game, right? The play to Mooney and it was great. And he slid the protection and he noticed it and he called it out. And then he fired the ball down the field, 16 of 22 passing when he had a clean pocket in that game. It was just a lot of those were target, right? It was what 14 targets or something like that to, to running backs, it just it didn't seem at all like what happened last year, and we just know it was a point of emphasis. So I'm wondering if he internalized it and overcorrected. Well, the the, the reason I asked that question is because like I, I literally on on Tuesday when I was kind of getting my own brain wrapped around what I saw, I d- dove into this all 22 more than anyone that I've ever dove into to try to find answers. But then I went back and looked at all of the deep completions that Justin had a year ago. He was 15 a year ago that were for 25 plus and right. there was only one of those that came against zone. And so even coming out of Ohio state, there was questions on how he was going to operate against zone. And so you look at the plays he made last year down the field. It was when you were getting uh, man coverage. A lot of times you were using play action against man, man coverage and manufacturing something that gave him an opportunity. And he throws a beautiful deep ball. You know, that like one of the cool things for me going back through that, that uh, library of those 15 plays is it makes you feel good. You go, ah, yeah this is in here. It's just not in there against zone. And so that's something they've got to continue to unlock. Um, and it's something that they, they need to do because again, yes, yeah, so it's, it, it, you know, the other thing that you find uh, in those plays is, is the stuff that he did last year on a, a handful of occasions off script scrambling. You right. know, and I wrote about that this morning for Chicago how there's been this emphasis in the building of yes. Like we know you're dangerous scrambling as a runner. Now we want to see you do what, what some of the elite quarterbacks in this league do, which is scramble as a thrower, keep your vision up, make some of those off script throws Two that come to mind. There was an easy touchdown against uh, the, the Eagles when Byron Pringle was just all alone because they were so worried about Justin running. And he stopped two yards short of the line of scrimmage and threw it easy touchdown. Uh, The other one that we celebrated for an entire week was the throw to uh, Montgomery down the sideline in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. That's off script there, right? Like you get out of the pocket, you break, you you give your running back a signal. Hey, (laughs) turn this up, go up the sideline and throw it there. That is the type of stuff that they need to see to to kind of start to get these chunk plays in the passing game. And then when there's chances to dial up something uh, for a one-on-one matchup, Justin's got to let it fly. Again, he talked about it earlier in the week. If there's a 50-50 matchup with DJ, just let it rip. 
you know, trust that at worst, it's going to be an incompletion. At best, you're going to get a, a, a big gain or a pass interference penalty. So I, I have come to believe a lot of this is on Justin in terms of right now not seeing the field as an anticipatory thrower the way that a quarterback must. Um, are they going to give him this chance to grow into it? Do you believe that he can grow into a guy who sees the field better? Look, I, I, I speaks. I think he's seeing the field well. It's just not fast enough, and I think that's part of your point is that the anticipation of what you're seeing and where you need to go with the ball needs to speed up a click. You know, it's and that, that's this league. You know, you're you're a half click behind and you're beat. And you know, the interception is as bad of a throw as you're going to see in the NFL uh, because it was almost just like, oh man, I don't know what I should do here. I'm going to throw it, and then and then Quay Walker's jumping in front of it, and he's in the end zone, and the ball game's over. And you just got to get through that a little bit. You got to barge through that a little bit. Do I think he can grow? Absolutely. I think we're, you know, one game into a 17 game season. I think that, um, you know, I remember putting out a tweet when we were in Indianapolis saying, based on what I had seen to that point through training camp and the crossovers, that this was going to be a very choppy September. Um, you know, if, if, if you didn't buy that forecast and you forgot to bring your umbrella, I apologize if you're all wet right now. Um, but that was like something that you saw that this was going to be choppy. Ideally, this entire season is about climbing the stairs. And then eventually, hopefully you get off the stairs and you get on the escalator right now. They didn't even get on the stairs last week. And because it was the Packers, because you got blown out, because it came with so much, um, anticipation and hope going into that game, that loss felt so dispiriting to guys inside the building, to the entire city. And everyone felt it in a way that I can't remember walking into a week two, uh, where there was that level of heaviness to a loss where you didn't know how you were going to get back up. So you calling it must win. Um, yeah, for a couple reasons, because <laughs> if you lose, uh, in Tampa and if you lose in any way, shape or form where it's, where it's clunky and it just looks ugly again, it's a name your score game next week in Arrowhead. It's, it's all about how much Andy wants to, to pour on you, how much Patrick wants to pour on you. And you will have no choice, but to just take whatever they, they give to you. Um, and so from that lens, I think no question that they have to win. Now, I hope that the Bears haven't thought about Kansas City for a second this week or even put that in the back of their mind because they need to go in really focused on Sunday to beat this Bucks team. But I do think what's lurking behind this uh, certainly puts you in a danger zone because a winless September um, with a team that lost 14 a year ago and has really not a lot playmaker wise, coaching wise to, to lean on and say, this is what our best assets are and what our strengths are mm -hmm. is going to be really, really daunting, particularly with the vibe that is everywhere here. And, and, and you guys know what the, what the airwaves have been like this week. It's been, it's been an agitated city, you know, and, and they're going to have to deal with that a little bit until they get off this 11 game losing streak. Does Lucas Patrick get the primary assignment against Vita Vey or do we see Dan Feeney? <laughs> well, whoever that is, I, I think it's going to be Lucas Patrick, but uh, you better give help. <laughs> you better not leave poor Lucas Patrick alone on Vita Vea because that's one of those things that pocket will be dented every single time Justin's back there. Now you got to rely on your edge guys uh, to hold up. And, and, you know, now again, like the blitzes are going to be coming. You got to make sure your backs have accounted for that. You got to make sure your receivers know the site adjustments and the hot routes. I mean, that's why I say this matchup offensively. It's not, it's not the get well game, you know, like Mitch 
every time that they were in a, a slump, you'd get a game against the Lions where they would just play exclusively man and he would feel real comfortable and he'd make some big throws down the field to Anthony Miller and it would just be like, ah, that felt good. You know, it was just, it was just a get well game. This doesn't feel like that. And, and so they, they're going to have to be really, really sharp on Sunday uh, to avoid this. And by the way, uh, maybe this is good news. There's a, a, a forecast of afternoon uh, tea storms in Tampa on Sunday. So maybe, maybe monsoon weather comes back and then they're able to, to pull out that part of their game. Dan, a couple Matt Eberflus things real quick. Um, sure. One looking back, do we have any indication that he brought down the hammer with anger on anybody this week? Is that, is that a, a tool in his toolbox that he used as far as we know? I, look, I think that's a really legitimate question because I don't know how he does the accountability piece of things. We've right. talked about it since he was hired. You know, we're going to assign every single play. Like, I don't know. I mean, like Chase Claypool wasn't around to talk to us this week. He wasn't available after the game. We have no idea what his discussions with Eberflus or Tyke Tobert were like in terms of tone and and authority. I, I, I really have questions about um, whether Matt can keep the authoritative uh connection in this locker room if they get off to like a you know a three and seven start or a one and five start or whatever it may be because i think there's going to come a point where <laughs> people are going to go what what have you done you know you, you're 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 three and 15 now uh in your second season and there are not a lot of results and and like that's that's a, a danger zone speaks it's a danger zone and and you know hopefully uh, eventually you get a win that just kind of changes the tone of this for a little bit. And mm-hmm. then that sigh of relief comes in that, that exhale that they're able to take uh, gives you at least one week of, of, of that good feeling. Yeah. I think a football coach has to have that somewhere in the, 100%. in the DNA. And then um, will we see anything different with Eberflus calling the defense for Alan Williams, who's going to miss this game for personal reasons. <laughs> so it's interesting because um, talk to Jaquan Brisker in the locker room after we found out that, Alan Williams was going to be gone. He said, look, like it should be a smooth transition. This is, this is Eberflus's defense. He knows what he expects. And he said that he expected a, a more aggressive game to be called. He said more balanced and more aggressive. Those are Jaquan Brisker's words. And so let's see, you know, let's see what it looks like. This is one of those situations. Again, we don't have a whole lot of information on, on why Alan Williams is away from the team for personal reasons, but you know, if they go have success after giving up, you know, an average of 33 and a half points and 400 yards per game in this losing streak, Matt might just say, look like for, for the short term, I'm going to keep, I'm going to keep my, my clutches on the controls of the defense. You know, that, that that's not out of the realm of possibility. And then you just kind of doing that kind of joint coordinator thing that you do, you know, like, like Aaron Cromer and, and Mark Tressman did way, <laughs> way back in the day. Um, so I don't know, like, l- l- let's see, let's see what it looks like on Sunday. Let's see what answers they have. They know they're going to have to account for those two receivers. And again, I just need to see something from the pass rush, whether it's on the edge or the guys in the interior, somebody has to get home on a regular basis. Otherwise it's going to be target practice all year for whatever quarterbacks they face. So Kyler Gordon, IR, uh, Blackwell, Hertz, Stroman yeah. Jr. up. Is this the type of thing just he gets targeted 10 times? Yeah, I mean, that's a chess game that the Bucks will have to account for. Um, and you have to be aware of that, that Greg Stroman is not Kyler Gordon and he's going to give everything he's got, but he's not Kyler Gordon. And so uh, you got to be aware of that. And then it's going to put a, a premium on the, the um, moments where Jalen and Tyreek have to step up and make plays. I think both of those dudes are up to the challenge. Loved, loved, loved uh, a lot of what I saw uh, from Tyreek Stevenson in his debut. That dude is fearless. Um, you know, he hits, 
he plays with an aggression. Uh, this is a, a nice week two test for him to kind of to kind of confirm, I think, what what he feels, which is that he belongs and and he's going to be a difference maker in the secondary. All right, two things. What's your pick? I went Bucks twenty, Bears sixteen. Twenty to sixteen. That should be an entertaining game. <laughs> um, and what's uh, what are you for flag football? You going five wide? <laughs> Wing T, what's the what's the Dan Weederer offense? Yeah, this will be my first experience calling plays, and the city's pretty harsh on on play callers. So we'll see how I do. We're the Vikings, by the way, in this league. So, um, I so you're going to pass the ball. There's a play. There's a play called Yo Yo, which I think can work pretty much every time, and it's off of a play called Demon, which is named after the roller coaster at Great America because it's got so many twists and turns to it. If the quarterback does what he's supposed to do, there should be a, a center eligible running wide open down the field and it could be a an absolute game breaker so that's what i'm looking forward to hey, ultimately it goes for me right everything that we do hey, hey dan i'm a four-year veteran in in flag football um okay. as a t- nose tackle and and a center is this are, are these kids playing or are these adults yeah, is, no 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 this is 10 year olds this is 10 year olds tonight okay um and so uh, I have zero faith right now, and maybe I shouldn't say this on the air, in my team's ability to pull a flag. I think we've only got a couple of kids that are really good. So I think we're going to have to win a shootout tonight, Speaks, and that's on the that's on the offensive play caller yeah. to get you in the right stuff and target the right guys. And so, uh, you know, as Matt said earlier, feed your skill. You know, feed your skill. You got to get it to your skill. I know mm-hmm. who my fastest kid on the team is. And yeah. in, uh, in tough moments, he's going to get the ball. Yeah, That's ahead. something that I'm not going to get into with scheme. Go ahead and force it. There, you know, 50-50 balls, <laughs> just put it up in the air. And the index cards that I have for my playbook, those will be on my office wall, wallpapered here if we get a win tonight. Perfect. Uh, well, good luck in the game that matters, and enjoy the Bears, <laughs> and enjoy the Bears game. Thanks, Dan. Yeah, should, should be a fun trip. See you guys.